Okay, we're on the <clears throat> bottom, actually, of page 104, or Nunbe's um, Amid Bays. This begins a new mimer. Mimer says that its objective is to understand the Pusik in uh, Shira Shirim that reads, It is better your love than wine. Now, we have a statement that says that it is sweeter upon me, and that's important, Allah the words of the authors, the Rabbanan, more than the wine of Torah. Now, we have to understand, why is it used the word Allah, and seemingly the more proper word would be Li, it's sweeter to me. Why does it say, it is sweeter upon me? Now, the Pasuk tells us that we have to love Hashem, our God, to years our life, meaning that's the reason why we should love Hashem. That the word because here suggests the reason, the cause and effect. This is the explanation why we should love Hashem, our God, because he is our life. That that which Hashem dispatches, the matzil elyon, is the source of life, and it is the source of all. Now, the word is tainugim. It's most commonly translated as pleasures, but it really means in a sense of being aligned with Hashem. Like it says, together with you or with you is the source of life, and from you all comes. That from you it is derived all of life, and all of this alignment in all stages, the stages of Atzilis, total awareness of Hashem, Bria, <clears throat> awareness of creation, Yitzira, more focused on the particulars of creation, and ultimately Asiya, the life source of all of that is still Hashem, the life of all lives. So when a person will think about this, this will arouse within him a love for Hashem, that just like a person loves to be alive, that is their greatest impulse. So too, they love the source of that life, which is Hashem. But this is a, a love that is born of reason. I mean, I love Hashem because he gives me life. It's not yet Mesir Nefesh that is described in the Pasuk. When it says, with all of your soul, with all of your everything, that this has come from a reason that because he's my life. <clears throat> so therefore, it's not considered a full-on form of total love. That is, I love life. Hashem is life. So therefore, I love Hashem. It's not a love of Hashem. It's a love of what Hashem provides me. But when we talk about the very essence of Hashem, which cannot be described at all, <clears throat> it can't even be categorized as the lofty level of Chachma. Like we say, all is made with Chachma. That Chachma is, the way we understand it, is as uh, tangible and uh, non-evidently godly as something material, from whence it is drawn, this quality of Mesiris Nefesh that exists within every Jew, because it is invested within his neshama that is aligned and is beyond any explanation, that he would surrender himself to Hashem without requiring any type of explanation, simply because of the essential love he has to Hashem, that Hashem is the exclusive existence, and there is nothing else that can compete with it. Like it says, I, Hashem, I do not change, whether I created the world, after I created the world, there is no change, there is no impact. And this love is that I do not want to be separated from Hashem at all, at any level. And therefore I love him with all my soul, with all my everything, and I surrender myself to him beyond any reason or explanation. And this is the bond and the very essence and fabric of Hashem that is beyond anything that we can describe. Next paragraph. We're on Nun Gimel Amad Aleph in the very uh, right-hand side in the middle. Now, this love and Mesir Nefesh exists within every Jew, within his ability, but it's hidden away. And in order to evoke it from its hidden until it's revealed is through the wine of Torah. 
like we have the rule that when wine goes in, the secrets go out. And what is the secret? What is the essence? What is the foundation of a Jewish soul? Is his love for Hashem. And when we will put the wine of Torah into it, that is through the fulfillment of Torah mitzvahs, regarding with or resulting in the revelation of this otherwise hidden love that it comes from hidden to revealed from that which was in every single Jew, simply by his very existence, that he is fired with the love of Hashem. Now on Shabbos, it also reveals this love of Hashem. It becomes evident. Six days we work, the seventh day we Shabbos, because Hashem created the world with the statements, 10 of them. And therefore, that even the idea of racious, voracious being the first of the 10 statements, it's still only a statement. It's not the essence of Hashem. <clears throat> and like it says in Shviras uh, HaKalim, uh, um, uh, uh, um, that the Chachma manifests itself down here into the world in which it was created. Like a person who's doing something, they're writing or they're making a picture or whatever it is that they're doing, they have to invest and direct their seichel and their thoughts into that artwork that they are engaged in. And then it returns back to the very essence. So too, during the six days of creation, Hashem invests his very identity into creating the world. And on Shabbos, Hashem doesn't invest himself in that sense. It is simply the level that is even higher. It goes to the very essence that is more personal as opposed to the person or comparable to the person who's engaged in their artwork. And then they sort of pull back and they simply uh, engage with it in its completed um, form. And therefore, on Shabbos, the love that a Jew has for Hashem, which is absolute and all-inclusive, though sometimes hidden, becomes revealed. And this is through the person investing or ingesting the wine of Torah, that is the fulfillment of mitzvahs, the way they are the expression of God's ultimate desire, beyond any rational explanation. And through this ratzain, we arouse within the person the revelation of what is there already, their innate love of Hashem, which is the ava and the passion that is beyond chachma or any explanation. And this is what it means when the wine goes in, the secrets come out. And now we understand this idea that it is even more rich, almost like delicious, uh, the words of the Rabbanan than the wine of Torah. And again, it is more delicious, olai, on me, not to me, but upon me. What is this upon me? This is the mitzvahs themselves, which are called, again, the wine of Torah. Now, when we make a bracha, for example, that is bracha before a mitzvah, is a rabbinic idea. It's even higher in a certain sense than the fulfillment of the mitzvah. Like it says in the Eitz Chaim, that through the mitzvah, we draw down an orpanimi that is invested within a very specific action. As we discussed in the previous Mimer, the hand of the tefillin, the lulav, etc. But the bracha that is on the mitzvah, we draw down a level of light that is even higher than the orpanimi, and therefore it can't be invested within a specific. And that's why our sages say that every mitzvah you make the bracha over lasiyasan, in context it means before you make it. But in our context, it means upon it, like higher than it. The idea that it is above it. And this is the idea that it is more rich upon me, the words of the Rabbanan, not just to me. Because Allah means that this that is drawn down through the bracha is makit. It's all-encompassing. And that's what it means that it is on me. It is even richer than the wine of Tyra, which is only the orpanimi. And it is sweet to me, and so on. 
that which is drawn down through the bracha, which is divrei seifrim, because making brachas is a rabbinic idea, is alai as opposed to li, as opposed to internalized. What does it mean, this idea of a bracha? So we say the standard bracha, baruch means we draw it down from the highest to loftiest levels. And then it is brought down to atah, or atah, to you, to a world where it's evident, like the word atah is identifiable. And what is that? That is Havaya, which includes the whole process of development. Yud being the most compressed, expanded upon in the hay, drawn down in the Vav, expanded upon down here. And that's why we say that the blessing of Havaya is what makes a person wealthy. And by Avram, it says that he is a bracha, that the bracha is the level of Havaya. And then we say, Elokeinu melech that we draw it down even into Hashem's direct connection with us as Melech which is from Atzilis, which is the lowest level of Atzilis, of Malchus. Asher, the next word in the bracha, meaning rich, in context means that, but the word Asher meaning rich, it is this richest level, in order that he makes us sanctified through the mitzvahs that Hashem puts on film, like we put on film, and we become aligned with Hashem. So in the bracha, you have Ratzoi, the idea that we are sort of leaving this world, and Shuv, we bring it back into this world, to bring it down into the most pragmatic, just like we declare Hashem Baruch at the loftiest level, all the way down to the most pragmatic, the most tangible. At first, it's different, it's distant, and we are sort of fearful of approaching it, who can approach Hashem, and then through the mitzvahs, we bring him back down here into this world. That is, while it is true, that who am I that I should do a mitzvah? However, Hashem really likes the mitzvahs. So at first, I'm awed by the concept, I should do a mitzvah. It's mati below mati. It's sort of moving, but not moving. <clears throat> that is, initially, there's sort of this detachment. I'm seeing Hashem as distant and far away from me. Then, as I go through the process of the bracha, I bring Hashem down into a relationship with me, into something very specific. And that's why there has to be this sudalasata. We have to begin this process. We have to run towards it and then come back. And that's what makes it so sweet or rich. Allah upon me, these words of the Rabbanan, which are rooted in the rabbinic uh, dictate of making brachas, this level of soifer, the authors, like we said, aye soifer, where is the soifer from the previous maimah, that is higher even than the wine of Torah, of Torah Shabbat which is only, quote-unquote, the safer the book, whereas the safer the author is something greater. That ends this mind. On the second half of uh, the left-hand column of Daphne Gimel, there's a new mimer. The mimer is based on a Pusik in Yeshayahu, chapter 38, Pusik Yud Ches 18. And the Pusik reads, um, to, my, to you, my heart is, is longing. It says in the Zayar, uh, in, in the Sifrats, Nusa it stumbles on a bump. This is the idea of the Kav Hamida, that we instead of the smooth, infinite Hashem, we start to have specificity, which measures out all of the spheres of Atzilis into specific measurements. And it spreads out from there, as we talked about earlier in the previous Maimon, that we have the concept of chesed that then becomes the behavior of chesed, kavura, and so forth, spread out in all forms and all directions. 
And that's why the spheres are also referred to as midos, measure, measurements and measurers. That is, they dispatch through measurement. And this is the level of gvura and symptom to compress it into something that is identifiable through the measuring kav, the line of the midah that has the infinite Hashem. How does the infinite Hashem manifest himself down here into the physical world? We can't deal with infinite. So Hashem compresses himself into the finite. Uh, which is described in the Zayar as stumbling on this bump. <coughs> Excuse me. Which again is the idea of Gevura. You start to put things together through the investiture regarding which it says, Ayah Seifer, Ayah Where is the author? Where is the measurer? That since it requires measurement and direction, that, that is the purview of Gvuda and Simtsum relative to Atzmus, which is, of course, immeasurable and unknowable and stripped down of alls. But it's, it's there, sort of, it retains that character and that flavor. If so, we would think that this Kava Amida is something completely separate. I mean, Hashem is infinite. Measurement, which brings it into this world, is defined. So how can infinite and finite come together? And that's why we say, where is it? Meaning we know it's there, but we don't see it from here. Where is the measure? It is what is called the great circle. As a circle has no beginning and no end, yet it's a shape, yet it is defined, but yet it doesn't have an identity. It's like the idea where light and dark are all the same. It precedes any specificity that is measured out. It all comes, of course, ultimately from Hashem, and it is measured out through this process. And this is what it's alluded to in calling it Aye. Aye literally means where, but it's also a combination of Aleph down into the Yud-K. The Aleph, which is the highest level of godliness that precedes creation, manifests in a tangible character of godliness to divide it up into the specifics. <clears throat> like it says, like Hashem says, I pass through Mitzrayim. I am not an angel. That Mitzrayim can't contain an angel. An angel is of an infinite character, and therefore it's limited to being infinite. Hashem in his essence, of course, is not limited even by not being limited, and therefore he can go into the physical. Now, Torah is also a form of Tzimtu, because the Torah only preceded the world by 2,000 years, by 2,000, not infinite. And Hashem himself is exalted and stripped down from any level of tzimtzum or of division. There's no beginning and there's no end. And therefore, Torah, which is only 2,000 years before, is included within the tzimtzum of the Kavamida. Like we know that every mitzvah has a specific shear. A sukkah can only be so high, fill and have to be square, etc. But in its depth, the aye itself is the measurer. That is, the infinity of Hashem is so infinite, it becomes finite. And that's why it's referred to in the Pasuk three times where it says, Aye. It says, where is he who counts? Where is he who weighs? Where is he who counts the towers? Aye is always Aye. Why three? Three times it says Kadosh, like the Targum Yenison describes it. That the Malachim say, Aye, Mikhaim Kabayde. Where is this? Because the malachim are in infinite. They can only understand infinite. We are finite. We can only understand finite. But Hashem is infinite, truly, that he can even express himself in the finite. <clears throat> and this is what it means, that his heart is desirous. He longs for it. This is what that Pusik means. Uh, your heart will meditate on this. It will long for it. That is, it will think about this idea how 
Aye, where is he who counts? Where is he who weighs? Where is he who counts the towers? That this level itself will measure out in all of the details that we find. And when a person recognizes that, that although he encounters godliness in something very particular, he understands that its essence is the infinity of Hashem. And as such, he will be so struck by it that he will have the full-on experience of Hashem. It won't just be a shallow fear that I won't have what I want if I don't obey Hashem, because that's not a reverence for Hashem, that's a fear of uh, missing out and so forth. But as we say, ultimately all will be heard that Hashem will be feared because we hear it and because we comprehend it. That concludes that mimer. And here on Gimel Amid Beis, on the right-hand side, we have another mimer. The mimer begins... Um, with with the quote also from Yeshaya, those who came, who Jacob caused to take root, Israel flourished and blossomed. Now, we have to understand, what is this idea that they were rooted in Mitzrayim? <clears throat> Hashem has said that I've created Yaakov and I have formed, more particularly, Yisrael. That Hashem says, who created Yaakov? Uh, who created Yaakov and Yisrael, he was formed. We have to understand why is Yaakov associated with Bria, more about Hashem, less about the creation. And why is Yisrael with Yitzira, more about the particular? Isn't Yisrael greater than Yaakov? So we would have anticipated that Yisrael would be the world of Bria, the higher world, and Yaakov, the seemingly lesser level, would be the world of um, of. of Yitzir, the lesser world. So we know that Neshama comes down to this world because this is where the job gets done. The whole purpose is that Hashem created the world in order that we be able to uh, do mitzvahs in it. So what is the connection of Yisrael to being the first of all of Hashem's harvest? And what is the idea of harvest for Hashem? So regarding mitzvahs, it tells us in Zaya uh, that they are garments that every Jew has to fulfill all the mitzvahs. That is, that the, the, uh, the mitzvahs of the king, the king does, and all of the mitzvahs that everybody has to do, they do in this uh, iteration or some further iteration, in order that they'll be able to be sort of dressed in all the mitzvahs. And if one mitzvah is missing, one levush is missing. So what do I do? I'm not a king. I'm not the king gadol. So the nisham has to come down again and fulfill the mitzvah. And through the mitzvahs, we make a levush and ganeim natachte. And through the intent of the mitzvahs, we make a levush and ganeim ha'elyeh. And that's why Moshe wanted to go into Eretz Yisrael to do those mitzvahs. And the Gemara compares mitzvahs to fruits, because we find that by the unsolved murder, when they have the Egla Rufa, we say that the person is not able to make any fruits, meaning they're not able to do mitzvahs. And the Gemara asks, what are those? Are they children? What if he, what, I mean, fruits, what do you mean he can't produce fruits? If fruits are children, what if he's already old anyway? But therefore, the Torah says it means mitzvahs. What are, what are the fruits? Are mitzvahs? And we have this in other psukim as well. And now we have to understand why we say that Hashem desired. This is the medrash that we all know that Hashem desired that He should have a dwelling place in here in this world. So, what is a dira for Hashem? What do you mean? Hashem is everywhere. He fills the heavens and earth. But there's two ways. There's ways that it's personal, mamalikolam, and the way that it's global, sevifkolam. Mamalikolamin is called invested in the creations in a way that is evident that he gives them life and they support everything through the level of 
uh, Ata, all of the letters. And the level of Sev Kalamin is also in all creations, but it's hidden, it's concealed. It's not uh, in a way that is evident, it's not Megillah. And that's why we say that a person has to make 100 brachas every day, because the bracha draws out from what is hidden into what is revealed. And this is why Baruch is like the word for bricha, a river that connects two places. It brings from the hidden to the revealed. <clears throat> and this is uh, achieved through the oasis of Yud Tzimtzum, Hey Spashtus, as we have seen before, the shapes of the letters of Yud Kevavke, which themselves illustrate how we go from the smallest letter of Yud down to the expanded level of Hey. And this revelation from hidden to concealed is dafka through the Jewish people. But like the Pasuk says, the household of Israel blesses Hashem, because every Jew has the ability to have Mesir Nefesh, and that's why they're based Yisrael. They bless Hashem. He's ours, and so on, like we know. And it covers all the days, etc. Now, these brachas are a verbal, <clears throat> and what will bring the Hamshach, what will bring it out from the hidden to the revealed, that's through the mitzvah actions, like seed planting, that you most of the seeds that you plant don't produce an actual edible fruit. Uh, but it's only the tasteless seed that can produce the, the delicious fruit. Why? Because it stimulates the power of growth that is otherwise hidden in the earth to create this uh, fruit, that it shouldn't just be another tasteless seed, which is inedible, but rather it should be a, 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 a fruit. The same is true when you plant wheat. Even though through the planting you add more wheat here and there, so too with mitzvahs that come down and invest themselves in physical things like fill in, in leather, sitzes from wool, and so on, and all other mitzvahs. So when a Jew puts them on, he creates a revelation of godliness in the highest of levels, like we say in the, in, in the explanation of what's written in the tefillin, and like the Zayar talks about with the talis, but it's only when he uses them for a mitzvah. If he just has his talis and fillin sitting on the table, there's no revelation there. <clears throat> so too with any gashmas thing. Where, or if Chas the guy puts them on, he's not creating any godliness there. Again, it would be just like taking the seed and putting it on the table. It's not going to grow. It has to be implanted in the earth. And the Jews are that earth that caused the godliness of the talis and fillin to be revealed. And as we know that this level of Ein Saif is called separated and uh, identified. I am Hashem, I do not change. Before the world, after the world, Hashem is beyond everything and so on. But it's only through the character of Malchus that Hashem wants to be Melech. And in order to be a Melech, there has to be a people. That we should glorify his name like a Melech. <clears throat> that everybody who has their own independence voluntarily submits themselves to the king. So that's a, 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 a bit of yesh into ayin, that in order to serve the king, because without the people, there's not going to be a king. And these people are described as an am. And am in this context means like very smoldering coals, not big fiery coals, meaning that which is not innately aligned with the king. It's not like the, 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 the king's officers or in the marshal, Hashem and the malachim, that all of the malachim bow down to him. But they're not separated from him. It's only the Jewish people, human beings, who could be separated from Hashem, who voluntarily surrender themselves, they are mavatal themselves voluntarily to Hashem's malucha, 
they go from being yesh, their own identity, which they could continue on and become ayin, which is not like a child whose father can't be his king because he's intuitively aligned with his father. And therefore, we are called the Eretz Hefetz, the desired land. That's the true revelation uh, and desire, that through the Jewish people, through their physical mitzvah activities, that they create some sort of blossoming. Like it says, a woman who fears Hashem, she shall be praised. That Hashem is called the bridegroom, and the Jewish people are called the bride. The woman who fears Hashem, she has the level of urine bittle. And through this, she is praised that she brings out the glory of godliness. Now we can go back to understanding the analogy of the Pasik about they come and they take root with Jacob. That is, that the taking root down here is through the mitzvahs, through fulfilling Hashem's will to engage in physical activities. That's the Yaakov quality. Again, we anticipated that Yaakov would be associated with the lesser godliness. But ultimately, it's the higher godliness because Yaakov, are taking the highest level, Yud, down to the Akev. And through this, it creates the blossoming amongst the Jewish people. And this is what it means that he plants righteousness. It will blossom with rescue. That through the planting, this level of mitzvahs in the tzedakah that everybody um, gives only for this virtue, for this merit, to certainly Hashem himself could just... Uh, uh, support people. Why did Hashem create a world where you, there has to be the giving of tzedakah? Is in order to give schus to the to the donor that he should be able to produce through mitzvahs. And this is what David Melech meant when he said, "Of all ends, I see a conclusion, but mitzvahs are wide, meaning everything expires, but mitzvahs are forever." He's not talking about here only about gashmias and about um, uh, things that he longs for. But every neshama has a limitation to what it can grasp. But mitzvahs, those are limitless because the mitzvahs are limitless capacity to receive from the infinity of Hashem that through the mice of mitzvahs, we can flourish and create so much more. That he can blossom to a level of giloy bleak vol, to no limitations. And this is what David Melch meant when he said that unlike the neshama, which is innately limited, this is mitzvahs are rechava mitzvah secha mi'oid. The mitzvahs are exceedingly wide. They don't have this limit.